If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast all in one place. They have tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So download the Anchor app on Apple or Android or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Now back to the good part. Siegler, this is Curtis Wilson. What's going on, man? It's episode three, man. How you been? Oh, good, man. Good. Weekend, uh, weekend treated me nice. Got to got to make some barbecue and uh, enjoy that since I'm over to my pops in the new place. So it was a good time. What about you? Uh, we wrapped up basketball season, uh, played some baseball with the kids in the neighborhood, getting ready for that in about a month here. So Nice, relaxing weekend, plus, you know, the weather, Sunday was gorgeous, Saturday was freezing, man, and, uh, you know, watched some hoops, a little bit of golf, but overall, great weekend, um, and and speaking of this weekend, you know, we had the combine going on. Oh, yeah. Brian, have you just looked at what the next 60 days hold as sports fans? Man, you, you got to give me the rundown, because right now, we're still in that, like, it's not football season, even though we got the XFL right now. So you got to give me the rundown and see what we got to look forward to. All right. So we just had the combine, right? Yep. Which we're going to talk with Dalton Keene in a few minutes on that. All right. Starting in a couple weeks, you get the conference tournaments, basketball tournaments. There we go. All over the place. Then the madness starts. Hurley's. Hurley's. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I'm the golf nerd. The players in the Masters – are on the forefront. We got opening day in baseball. One of the best days of the year right there. Great day of the year. <laughs> we got spring football happening. Hokies start on the 21st. Spring games are happening. Spring then, game is going to be tape delayed and on television this year. <laughs> which is awesome because I know you're going to be out of town. I don't know if I'm going to stay up to 1030 and watch it, but just knowing we can see the team play, it's going to be awesome. Um, definitely will maybe get some eyes on how the new alignments and stuff on defense, who's playing, who's not. And then we're going to cap it off in the next, in the 60 days with the NFL draft. So kind of football season begins again. Um, so the next 60 days, anybody telling you, oh, there's really nothing on, there's nothing sports to do. No, there's so much. So, you know, you know, head out to your favorite bar, watch the tournaments. Um, 
you know, if you get a chance, we're probably not going to be able to go down to Blacksburg. Spring game is one of the best experiences um, that you can go to. It's so cool. It's so cool. Just getting to see the players up close, getting to uh, talk to them uh, for a little bit after the game, getting to see all the uh, the alumni and the old faces come back, uh, come back into town and, and cut it up a little bit. It, it's nothing but a good time. It is, and it's and it's worth it if you're a Virginia Tech fan and you have that day available. You know, take the if it's just you and a buddy, do that. If you can take the family and kids, take it. Hit downtown up, do a little tailgate, and go into the stadium. It's free, um, and then get on the field afterwards. And like Brian said, the the the, the program really pushes the players to kind of stay around. When we went, you know, what five years ago now. Yeah, 2015. I mean, we met Sam, Adonis, all these guys who were stars on the team. And the Edmonds brothers. The Edmonds brothers, all three of them should post yeah. that picture. Because yeah, um, Trey came back for the game. Exactly. It's just an experience worth going to. And these other sporting events, watch them, enjoy them. Um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, but the first thing that really kicked us off was the combine. And, man, our – our boy Dalton, Rambo, he tore it up. Tore absolutely it up. did. Um, had a great showing. Uh, to me, his tape doesn't lie. He is a football player. Um, I think what he did for himself is probably solidified um, that he's going to get drafted. He definitely solidified he's going to get drafted, and he made a push to say, I might be able to get taken at the back end of day two if the right fit is there. And I think that's something that we didn't really think was even going to be a possibility going into it just because of his skill set being a little more niche. But I think putting all those measurables together, um, I think maybe caught some eyes of some of those teams that may say, hey, you know, we might want to take a chance on this guy even if uh, even in the third round or something like that, if, if, if the, you know, the timing is right. Yeah. Well, let me do this. Um, for those who, if you haven't seen it on Twitter or went to the IMFL comments, I'm going to do a quick rundown of what he did. Um, 21 reps in the bench, which I think was fourth. Um, 47-140, which was third. Correct me if I'm wrong, Don. His worst event was the vertical leap at 34 inches. I think he was like ninth or tenth. Um, three cone, 7.07. Um Again, he was in that top five range. Now, the two events he really excelled at, um, the broad jump, 125 inches, which was best among the tight ends. Yep. And the one for me where it showed elite in all forms, because he is on the, on, one, on the first two pages, top of the 20-yard shuttle at 4.19 seconds. Um, Brian, real quick, kind of explain for a tight end, having that elite shuttle time, what it, what it says to coaches um, like that, because he was, he's in there with some wide outs and stuff where it's kind of like, Whoa. Well, you're talking about, you know, being able to change directions. It's going to come in handy on if there's you know, some sort of scramble drill uh, when the quarterback's in trouble, being able to change directions real quick and get to a spot, get open. Um, it's going to be handy on those angle routes that you had talked about in episode two. Um, you know, things that he has really shown shown out on film already that, you know, he can 
you know, show one thing and then all of a sudden, you know, he's cutting across the middle of the field um, into that, into that void. And once he gets the ball in his hands, he's so good at making, making people miss and breaking tackles uh, for a guy his size. So, you know, I, I think that we're definitely looking at, uh, like I said, this stock's definitely rising after that combine performance and, you know, talking about the shuttle, but also talking about the broad jump. I mean, there's a lot of, um, you know, when we, talk, when we think about blocking um, from a tight end position, you know, the explosiveness for the broad jump, a lot of that is tied to, you know, the explosiveness at, at the point of contact when you block. So, you know, those things definitely um, definitely show that he's got that explosiveness and ability to, you know, like we've talked about, finish blocks and be able to, you know, make really good contact at the at the point of attack. Absolutely. So really interested to see, you know, about, a, I guess it'll be about a month here, this pro day down at Virginia Tech. And then um, kind of see where he gets interviewed. You know, the combine, everybody can interview you, but it's those sort of second ones where teams might fly you out because it's like, we need to know more. Going to be interested to see how that, um, how that happens for him over the next two months here. Um, I think Curtis wants a trip to Santa Clara. I don't know. Yes. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, 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 I looked at Kyle Juszczyk. I'm a 49ers fan. I'm Hokie Nation. Um, and he has similar numbers to Juszczyk. Now, Juszczyk was a fullback in college where was, um, Dalton was more of a, you know, tight end H-back. But some of the stuff he does, I, I can see it translating to us. But we don't know. Um, Brian, did you catch – the Brock Hardhead series. You know I did. You know I did. What'd you think, man? Love the production. Another again, let's let's get the personalities out there. So my biggest takeaway and what I I loved from watching that and I was tweeting about it. I know some people um caught on to that, but just things kind of going south in terms of his eligibility and how he really pivoted to being that off the field leader last year for that team. And that's what really stuck with me doing all that because that's that's hard when when you're used to playing and you're used to being the guy that is out there in the alpha role and showing it on the field and showing it on game day and all of a sudden you have to take a new role. The fact that he was able to blossom into that so fast and get and gain all the respect um, from guys in the locker room, you know, right out the gate that that says something about his character and says something about his ability to lead. And the fact that we're going to start getting some of that on the field this year, just it, it, it's got me hyped. Agreed. Uh, and something else um, that I want to say about Brock, um, me and Brian luckily had an interaction with him at the pit game. Um, after the game was over, we sort of walked down behind the Virginia Tech bench, just kind of sat there dapping up guys, me and him chit-chatting, looking around. And Brock is, if you can remember, Brian, he was probably, I don't know, 10 or 12 feet on the field on the field. So maybe, so maybe even further play. and actually probably passed us in terms of yeah, a field of view. And me and, and Brian, uh, we, we, called, we called out free Brock Hoffman. <laughs> and he, he stops and he like gives us the thing and he stops again and he came over. He took his time to walk all the way over. Um, you know, we sort of said, Hey, you know, good luck next year. You know, we're glad you're here. He dapped us up, gave us a couple minutes talks and then walked in. But, when you have something like that where he, he could have just did the fist bump and did that, that made our day him walking over and talking to us at kids special. 
that loop is going to be nasty because I think his mentality, you saw some of, I think it was Silas, right? Or is yeah. it, you can see in Silas, like these guys want to go kill people um, to put it lightly. And I, I think him coming into that group, the competition is going to get higher. And I think the group was very good last year and very young. Um, I think we're going to be, I don't, I'm not going to say elite this year, but we're, we're going to be borderlining on that if everybody takes the steps. Um, Coach Vice, I mean, he's, he's really going to have some options because he's going to have about six or seven guys that have seen significant snaps, whether for the Hokies or in Brock's case for Coastal, just coming in and, and guys that he can lean on and just put together the best five out of that experienced group. And that's going to be something that, you know, he really didn't have. Um, he hasn't really had it, it, during his time at uh, in Blacksburg. So I'm excited to see what the finished product is going to look like. Um, we've got so many young guys that played significant snaps last year. And then we've got a couple of, uh, of veteran guys, um, you know, anchoring um, the tackle positions. So I'm really interested to see how they end up um, – shaking out the starting five but i mean having seven like i said seven guys that um have starting potential going into the season is pretty incredible yeah and that's going to make the depth great and that's going to make the competition unbelievable um one more thing before we get into today's topics this california to vt movement and i'm gonna i'm gonna say my perspective was like this i saw it we given offers that's cool you know but then, well, oh, there's some midnight madness. Some guys showed up. I'm like, ah, oh, that's cool. Probably two or three guys. No. Brian, you looked a little closer and you texted me. You're like, nah, dog. How many? <laughs> man, it was, it was a whole, it was a whole busload, man. They, they were just, <laughs> I was, I was like, I, I didn't even think that was something that we would, we would see. Um, like I said, we heard the quiet rumblings and, and things on Twitter. We're like, okay, California to VT. And all of a sudden, you know, we got this whole crew um, there in, in Lane Stadium at Midnight Madison. I'm like, oh man, that that's some that's some special stuff. And you know, they're getting you know likely from that perspective an experience that that they can't just can't be replicated um, anywhere. I'd say definitely not in the Pac-12. Um, so you know, right out the gate, that's got that's got to be a big impression on them. And uh, and we're kind of putting our best foot forward with that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where it goes if we land any of them, one of them. I mean, at this point, stretching our footprint, you know, is not going to hurt. I mean, casting a wider net, um, you know, we, we get some more recognition um, across across the whole uh, country versus just in our region. So, I don't think it's a problem there, especially since we're starting to see some of the uh, recruiting resources uh, climb a little bit, which as we have said in a couple episodes past, that that's definitely something we like to see. So, Absolutely. All right, so guys, what we're going to be looking at today is we got CA to VT, but we're going to be looking at Virginia. Um, we're going to be breaking down kind of the overall what recruiting looks like in Virginia this year, um, where the elite talent is, some of the names, things like that. Um, for the what we consider the elite of elite guys, four guys in the top ten. Brian did some video breakdown. So, you know, this is gonna be thinking about guys that play and uh, live near you. We're gonna give you some more info on them. So we'll start that out right now. 
Brian, the 2021 Virginia High School class, uh, there's only one word for it. It's elite. Big time, man. Big time. So, you know, as we as I started kind of looking through some of the uh, recruits and where we, you know, where they are, I want to kind of give a breakdown, like, who are the Hokies recruiting? Are we not offering guys? Because after 2020, you know, everybody, we didn't get anybody. We got one guy in state, Lakeem Rudolph. And now it's like, well, what's going on? You know, why aren't we recruiting the state of Virginia? Well, last year just wasn't an appealing state or wasn't appealing in state. This year, let me just say, looking at some of the numbers, it, it, it is definitely we are trying to get the state this year. So I'm looking at just the top 20, Brian. And okay. we have offered 14 of the top 20 players in the state. That sounds more like a uh, a Virginia Tech recruiting uh, push in the state than what we saw last year. Absolutely. I mean, you know, 70% of the class, all varieties of positions. Um, so, you know, I, I think last year, again, like kind of like the 2020 class in general, it was just that weird cycle. And I think we're back to more of what we do in the state. Now, looking at these 20 guys, and again, just to kind of throw you the difference between last and this year, seven of those guys are in the top 247. Um, I've told you guys before, I think 247 Sports does a great job. I think how they break the guys down, how they rank them, how they're consistently moving them up and down based on their skill level, their size, um, offer lists, and so on. But there are seven this year in the state. Um, and, uh, compared to the last year, I think it was what two, the top two guys were in the top two, four, seven. Yeah. Yeah. So we were looking at, uh, uh, the two guys that, that we, that we whiffed on last year were, were the only two that, uh, that, that really cracked the, the two, four, seven there. So, you know, right now you guys kind of wondering, well, so we only offered, we, we've offered 20, you know, 14 of the top 20, who didn't we offer? Um, and want to give you their names, positions, and where they are, just just so you maybe get an idea, is it a position we're already committed on, or are there bigger dogs out there as we look into this further? Um, the first guy I'm going to look at is Trent Atkins. He is out of Clintwood, VA, um, Ridgewood High School, a 6'1", 195 athlete. I'm just looking at that body frame type, and that tells me probably wide out or defensive back. Um, doesn't give the full breakdown. Um, next guy is James Gillespie, six foot two, three hundred pounds defensive tackle out of Woodbridge. Um, you know, body type seems there, not offered yet. Again, there are things probably behind the scenes we don't know. We don't know their grades, we don't know the fit, but not offered yet. Um, another one, Trayvon Green, six foot seven, three hundred and sixty-seven pound offensive tackle out of Colonial Heights Life Christian Academy. I would say just looking at his size, not seeing any tape, he sounds like more of a motor grader type offensive lineman. As you know, Brian, from looking at a lot of the tape, we're not looking for the huge lineman to push the pile. We're looking more athletic guys. Um, next couple guys, Nate Evans, 6'1", 175. Again, listed as an athlete out of Cox, um, down at VB. He's already committed to Tennessee. Um, I don't have his commitment date, so my apologies for not having the research there. But, again, you see that fit. You think defensive back wide receiver. 
And Jay Wolford, 6'1", 200-pound, dual-threat quarterback out of Richmond, Benedictine, already committed to UVA. So out of the six guys that are in the top 20, two of them have committed. A couple of them are athletes at positions that, as Brian, you can see what's on the board this year, we might have already thrown a number of offers out. What do you think? I think the big thing is the number of offers we already thrown out at those positions and combine that with with fit. I mean, I think that's going to be the biggest thing as far as those guys that we didn't offer, um, particularly uh, some of the, uh, the defensive backs. You know, We're already looking um, at a couple guys at the top of that list at that position. You know, the further we get down in the top 20, I don't think we're going to necessarily just keep offering guys down the list, um, especially in the same state. And then the, the quarterback that's at UVA, um, regardless of that situation, you know, we had a very early commitment from from D there. So I don't think that's really any comparison there. And I think we got the better end of that that exchange. So I'm not concerned about that at all. Nope. So, yeah, I just think I think we're looking at probably a combination of fit maybe some personality things that just don't quite quite mesh and obviously guys that we have made maybe already made offers to that are a little bit further up the uh, the totem pole for us in terms of um, what we want to do and you say what we want to do because just and again I've, I've looked further than the top 20 NBA there are some guys 20 to 30 range the biggest one is Jalen Stroman Greg Stroman's brother he's offered you know are there guys in that 20 to 30 range in the Virginia that maybe fit what we want to do and we've offered them versus the guys in the top 20, maybe per our coach's eyes, these guys fit better. Um, and, 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 we'll and big, big time first. with Stroman there, I'll, I'll say with Stroman, because when we're talking about what we're trying to do, um, you know, we have really started to hang our hat on, at least at the skill position, versatile players, um, whether it's guys that can play, you know, whip and rover where it's guys that can play corner uh, safety. I mean, we're looking at, at trying to get more versatile on defense. When we look at offense, we're looking at guys that can play, you know, do stuff in the jet sweep, do stuff um, from the wing, but also split out wide and just run your traditional route tree. So I think the versatility is what we've really been um, hanging our hat on from a skill position perspective. And so I think some of that's trickling down into some of, of how we're recruiting some of these players. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think you're 100% right on that. Um, the other thing I looked at, Brian, you know, we as a state, everybody likes to beat their chest, right? 757 oh, yeah. Nova, us here in the 804. <laughs> we're the best part. And this year, um, you look at the top 20 guys, and it's a it's crazy how this breaks down. But you're looking at, of the top 20, Seven are from the 757, six are from the 804, six are from Nova, and one is from the southwestern part of the state. So uh, what this tells me, we all like to beat our chests about where we live and the kids that play there. But what this tells me is the state of Virginia is a well-balanced state. There are, there are talented guys in every corridor. And leave no stone unturned and as we've seen through you know sign of the offer list they're not they have offered guys in every sector um so does that shock you in any way brian from coaching in the high school ranks or is this is what virginia is we are a very well balanced state and it's gotten more so i'd say in probably the last decade or so um in the last decade or so i've really seen uh 
Nova and and the 804 really step up their game relative to what 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 used to be going on with 757. Now the 757, I don't think there's been any drop off in 757. I just think that those other regions have started to catch up a little bit, and they're really giving 757 a run for the money. And so I think that's what you're seeing is that there's a lot more balance across the state, as you said, um, in this in this prospect uh, game now. And I think some of that's just coming coming from the 804 and Nova catching up on some of the things that the 757 was doing 10, 15 years ago. And I think they're starting to do that in the 804 and starting to do that in Nova now, and it's really paid some dividends. Yeah, 100%. And also the guys who are coming back, you think Lauren Johnson over at um, Highland Springs, you think about the Lewis guy going down to Verona. There are guys who have played at different levels that are coming back to the 804. And they're going back to the 757. They're guys up in Nova, great coaches. Um, but it, you're right, Brian. It has kind of tripled. And I think that's good for Virginia Tech as a program because if it's all over the place, there's no one hotbed. So for us, it's get the guys you want from those particular areas. Now, I'm going to say this. I said at the beginning, elite. You want to hear how elite, Brian, about Let's go for the it. top three players in the state? So the top three players in the state are as follows. Um, they are Tristan Lee, the offensive tackle um, up out of Nova. Um, he got a huge bump recently. He is the number four offensive tackle in the country. In the country, not in the state, in the entire country. And I know, Brian, you're going to do some breakdown in a little while on these guys, but let me just more elite, elite part of this class. Oh, yeah. Um, Travion Henderson down at Hopewell. This guy's the number two running back, not in the state, in the country. In the country. In the country. Um, and that's per 247. Rivals put Henderson at one a couple days ago. So, yep. again, elite. And clearly the, the top dog, number one in the state, number one cornerback in the country, number six overall in the country. The Joker, Tony Grimes, number one in the country. Dude, all three of these guys are top 20 in the country. In the country. Literally, what that is saying is for any of these three guys, if you get them, it's almost perspective of day one, they're going to come in and play. Oh, yeah. In a high capacity. Um. So, Brian, is, now there's one other guy, too, and I, I just saw this a few minutes ago. You know Naquan Brown's not, now the number 10 defensive end in the country? That's crazy, man. That's crazy. So, <laughs> we talked about it earlier, you know, in one of our podcasts. Last year wasn't a great year for the state. This year, elite of elite. And um, what we're going to move to here is Brian has actually looked, the four guys I just mentioned, Brian has actually looked at the tape and done a little scouting report. So we're going to move on to that next. All right, Brian, let's start with Naquan Brown, Ocean Lakes, VV, 6'3", defensive end. What did you see on his tape? All right, so the biggest thing I'm seeing about uh, Naquan Brown, we're looking at an elite edge rusher. He can get off the ball, and he can beat you with speed over the edge. He's really strong relative to his weight, actually. I saw him take on a number of double teams on tape, 
never seemed to get overpowered on those, even uh, giving up a bunch of weight. The biggest thing that I liked was when looking at running game, especially when he was on the backside, is that he was really good at getting flat and fast in in rush pursuit from the backside. So he was able to walk down a bunch of uh, plays going away from him because of his pursuit angle, because of getting a really good read at the snap of the football. So piggybacking on that, he diagnoses plays quickly. He attacks and he, he trusts his instincts. He did a really good job of, uh, of knocking the offensive lineman's hands down in, uh, in on pass plays, plays fast, but discipline, you know, he's going to need some weight probably to be an every down player at the power five level. But I think out the gate, you could probably see him as a as an immediate contributor on special teams and probably some select packages on defense. All right. Now, when, when you're talking about the hands and stuff, so you feel technique-wise, football IQ-wise, he's there. Yeah. So he, he's definitely a guy that knows um, – both knows his technique but also is, has really good instincts and is able to – put that technique into practice and plays really fast. All right. Well, let me ask this. Cause the weight is the concern Two Oh five, you know, you don't see any guys at the D one level um, play at that weight. Uh, July's a big camp time. So that's about five months from now. Where would you want to see his weight be at come July when he comes to maybe um, the tech camp or some of the other, you know, since he's a more elite prospect, going to the Under Armour camps, going to the Rivals camps, what would you like to see his weight at in four to five months? I'd definitely like to see him at least put on 10 pounds in that time. If he can get up to the 215, maybe even 220 range, I, I think we're, we're looking at, you know, moving in the right direction, um, especially considering he hasn't been in a college weight program yet. And, that, you know, once he gets to Blacksburg, we'll probably we'll be good to probably put on another another 10 pounds at least over, over what um, is being done now. But I think if he can get at least 10 more on him, you know, before he comes in, that would be, uh, that would go a long way to helping his, uh, his prospects as far as getting on the field year one. Understood. All right. Next guy I want us to take a look at, or you took a look at, I should say, um, probably a guy he'll be competing against potentially in some of these camps. And for us Hokies, we hope they're competing you know, next fall against one another in camp. Tristan Lee, the offensive tackle, the guy got the huge bump um, this week. Robinson, secondary school, Fairfax, 6'5", 275. Um, what you see on him? You know, looking at this tape, there is nothing that I could really point to and say I don't like that. I mean, this guy can, can really do it all. So the biggest thing I saw right out the gate, uh, he has a nasty gene. This guy is not happy until he puts the guy he's blocking on his back. He finishes blocks. He has great drive block technique. Um, he does a good job of making contact with power and then keep running his feet until his man's finished. Um, what I also liked is that on on down blocks where the play is going off of him, he does a great job of spreading the holes. So he's not just blocking the man in his gap. He's moving moving the defender out of the gap, creating a bigger hole for the running back to get through. That That's the biggest things I like from a technique perspective. When I was looking at his, uh, his film on Huddle, I didn't see a ton of pass pro because the offense that he is in high school, they run a lot of uh, wing tee and pro set and occasionally will go to like a spread uh, 
spread option run offense when they go in shotgun, but they don't do a ton of passing. But I did go and look at some of his rival camps um, tape, and he's got a really good pass set. He has a great great punch, so he stops the uh, the momentum of the defender. So moves his feet well. So like I said, really, there's nothing that I could say bad about it, especially as a prospect coming coming out of high school. Um, let, let me ask this concern, and you talk about the nasty gene and finishing blocks. When you see or when you coach guys who wouldn't finish blocks, unlike this guy, what's what is where does that concern you? Where it's not a concern for this guy, but maybe there's some other guys we're recruiting that you don't see that. What what, what concerns you when you don't see a guy finishing? Well, I think the big thing is that you don't want a guy that's just going to get to his spot and be be happy with with area blocking a guy because eventually that guy's going to keep going and try to make a play downfield. Now, when you're talking about a guy that's finishing a block, that means they are taking that player out of making a potential tackle, whether it's at the point of attack or whether it's 10 or 15 yards downfield. So if he's finishing the block, that means that guy is not able to make a play. Um, something else, as an offensive line coach, not seeing – you saw the tape. You said you felt good about the way he looked in Rivals camp. But does it still give you some worry about not seeing a guy with a lot of live action pass pro where I, I, I do say in these camps, you, they, you know, he can kind of see what's coming where compared to in a live game, if they run a stunt or if they run slants, a little different than knowing, well, this guy is either going to try bull or he's going to try to, you know, bend and get underneath me. Does that concern you, or is it more he's so refined at the running aspects? He's such a – you see plays hard. He come in, this is what we can work on. Well, he seems to be a guy with a high football IQ from the tape I'm watching. He doesn't look like he's ever out of position or anything like that. So I'm thinking he can pick up on, you know, pass pass protection um, call nature that that would come into play if there are those stunts and uh, and blitzes. But, yeah, you're right. There is the concern of – this guy probably hasn't seen a ton, a ton of of looks where guys are coming at from multiple angles at him. So that that could be an area of concern. But just looking at the tape, when when you're looking at these rival camps, generally the drills do kind of favor the the defensive lineman more because there's more room to work than than there would be in a normal uh, game situation, and also m- most of the time you know, the defender knows either the snap or can anticipate the snap. It's not like a live game. So offensive lineman is a lot easier in those situations. And he's still out there handling some of the guys that are elite at that defensive end position. So that gives me, you know, encouragement. So like I said, the biggest thing is going to be, can he figure out those calls on the fly? And I think he can based on um, just looking at his, as his tape and, and knowing that I think he's a guy that can pick up things pretty quickly. Great. Thanks for educating us on, you know, about the way some of the, some things that are done at those camps. So when we look at it, we get an idea to say, okay, doing the right things um, or the guys we're looking at are doing the right things. All right. Next number one corner in the country, Tony Grimes, Princess Anne, Virginia, six foot one eighty. Sounds like a perfect corner to me. Um, uh, what do you see from the Joker? You know, he's thinking it might be the Joker, but this kid is no joke on the field. <laughs> he has a nose for the football, and that's what we like to see in Hokie Nation. That's what the lunch pail defense has always been about. That's what Beamer Ball has always been about. Nose for the football. And once he gets the turnover, he loves to take it to the house. He's not somebody that's going to settle with just getting the turnover and, you know, first contact, he's going down. 
Um, he's trying to get into the end zone. So that that's what we like to see. He's got a great blend of size and speed. I know you kind of talked about the the size there and the speed is there as well. He's uh, he's both fast and quick, um, which is what you like to see because he can move move laterally. He's got uh, <clears throat> fluid hips, so he can change direction well. He lined up all over the secondary on his high school team: um, corner, nickel, safety. So he's he's a very versatile defender, which is. What we've been talking about, we like to see some versatility, guys being able to, you know, attack from multiple positions, the guys being able to blitz from the corner position, blitz from the safety, blitz from the nickel. So this is a guy that can do that for us. Um, good at setting the edge in the run and a willing tackle when it when the, the scheme is calling for him to set the edge. You know, he does a good job of squeezing the gap and uh, enforcing the action back inside so he doesn't get uh, get pinned in to get some let some of those big runs get to the edge. He played a lot of offense, too, so that means he's probably got some pretty good hands, which means if the ball's thrown in his direction and he's there, he's going to catch it. He's going to make that play. Um, yeah, everything I saw, he was really great in uh, in man coverage. He gets in the receiver's pocket and stays there. Um, you know, when he does occasionally get full, he recovers well. Um, think about uh, think about a Kendall Fuller when uh, when he did get fooled. What did he do so well? He, he got the, to the uh, recovery spot and was still able to make a play on the ball. And that's what that's what Tony Grimes does when he does get fooled. But again, from what I'm seeing on tape, that's a that's a very rare occasion as well. So nothing but good things about him. And I think uh, I think we're going to see some some really really incredible play from him, whether we end up landing or he goes somewhere else. All right, where do you want him to play if he commits to Virginia Tech? He's definitely a corner. Okay. Um, maybe eventually a boundary corner. Ha ha. Hey. <laughs> All right, but but you see from him day one if whether it be Jermaine Waller or Caleb Farley, I, I don't. I think one of those guys will be there next year. I don't think both, but you see him coming in competing ASAP with the respective other side of the corner. He's that good. He's that technically sound. He's that much of an elite player where. Similar to Kendall Fuller, Brandon Faison coming in, freshman, playing right away and contributing right away. He's too good not to have him on the field a good majority of the snaps on defense. It's awesome that he could. You're probably going to be doing yourself a disservice not getting him out there. That's great to hear. All right, let's go with the last guy on your list, Brian. Um Trevion Henderson down at Hopewell in the 804, 5'11", 195. Um, is, he every, is he every offensive lineman's dream to block for? Yeah, he's the guy that, uh, you know, patient at the point of attack and reads his blocks well. So he's not just going in there, whatever his aiming point is, you know, sticking it in there. And sometimes, you know, as an offensive lineman, things change at the snap of the ball. And he's, he does a very good job of changing with that, going with the blocks, reading those blocks, and then just exploding through the hole once it opens up. Um, he's got home run speed once he's at the second level, which is what we like to see. We like to hit those long plays. We like to make some big plays on offense. Um, he's great at making people miss. So he runs through arm tackles and he, he's good at turning nothing into something, which I think is sometimes important for us, especially with with the scheme that we have. There's going to occasionally be penetration, and, and he does a good job of, you know, making people miss and, you know, finding the lane or the alley 
even when you know that point of attack gets shut down. Uh, great at change of direction and accelerating. Um, he was also used in the slot um, a lot for his high school. So, you know, I think you're going to see a guy that has the ability to do, you know, swing passes, screens, um, you know, run a wheel route, things like that. He's a guy that can definitely is used to catching the ball. Uh, he also ran some of the, uh, the wildcat formations for them in goal line situations or short yardage situations. Um, so he's comfortable, you know, with the ball in his hands at the snap as well. Um, there wasn't a ton of highlights showing, you know, straight up the gut run. So I'm not sure how he is kind of on those inside zones in between, um, you know, the outside shoulder of the guard uh, through, you know, into the center. Um, they mostly were running some outside zone and uh, and sweeps and things of that nature. So um, he did run more inside when he was doing the Wildcat stuff on the short yardage. So in those aspects, you know, you know, he can run, you know, up in those a gaps and get the job done. But I didn't see a ton of that um, when they were running the, their more traditional offensive sets. All right, let me ask this with him working in the slot is something that we can use to our advantage in recruiting talking about the jet sweeps. I mean, is that something to say, Trevion, you come here, you're going to get the carries from the backfield, but we're going to give you an opportunity to hear your first year too. You're going to be our slot. You're going to be one of our slot guys taking some of those sweeps. And you talk about, we've talked about a couple of times when those sweeps are blocked correctly, a guy with home run speed. Good night. Exactly. And I, you know, I like the points you make there because I think that's going to be something where if, if we're not in a situation where we can say, Hey, we can guarantee you're going to be our, our number one, a back, but you're definitely going to get some carries. You're going to be at least a featured role of the offense, even if it's not something that um, is that, you know, one, a role. So I think that's going to be key in terms of trying to get him to, uh, to stay home. I see. So Brian, can, can, can we land all four of these guys? I think we can. I, I think we have the potential to do that. Now, um, we are getting some some major run on, the, especially on Grimes and on uh, and on Henderson. Um, Clemson's making a big push at Henderson, and Georgia's down there is uh, is pushing really hard for Tony. So, those are going to be our two biggest uh, our two biggest opponents for for the. The, the top two guys there. Um, I think we've got a, a really, really good chance at Naquan Brown and Tristan Lee. Um, I think those are the guys that I feel really comfortable with us being able to, to close the deal on. How important is it to getting uh, the first domino to fall to landing all four, getting one of these guys to commit, let's say between now and the middle of summer, how big would that be to landing all four? I think that would go a long way because it would it would build on what um, the, kind of that momentum that we got when Demetrius um, committed. Yeah. We would start build, seeing some of that tidal wave start pushing in our direction, and you know people start start saying you know it's not just a one off. We've got all these big names are starting to say, hey, I want to go to Blacksburg and make something special happen this year. Um, now I'll throw this one at you, man. Um, do you think if we land at least two of these guys, is that good enough? No, it shouldn't be good enough. Landing two shouldn't be good enough. All four should be the target. These are four guys in state. Um, 
that we've recruited what it appears to be very well so far. Each position, let's let's just kind of go through each position. Always need edge rushers, right? Oh, absolutely. You don't have enough of them. Yeah. Tristan Lee, he's an offensive tackle. And some people say, well, that's our strength. We have a lot of really good players there. One of those really good players is Christian Darisol. Christian Darisol has another season like he did his first two. He will not be around 2021. He will be in the NFL. I agree. Um, Tony Grimes, it's a similar situation for Tony. If Jermaine and Caleb continue their trend, one, if not both of those guys, will be in the NFL next year. And there, there it is. It's You want to start, here's your prime opportunity. Um, and Travion Henderson, we don't have a 1A back. Even this year, we're looking at Herbert and probably King. Herbert's gone after next year. So the playing time is there. I don't see this as a situation where it's we're so loaded at any of these four positions that that should be on the table. Landing four should be the target. And I'll probably be dissatisfied if we land just two. Okay. And okay. That's fair. Know. Can I can I throw a little uh, little factoid at you though? Go for it. All right. So just I'll throw throw this out there. When was the last time we landed at least two of the top five prospects in the state of Virginia? Well, it hasn't been recently. Um, I'd say '07. Tyrod. All right. So it was actually 2009 was the last time. Oh, so God. that was Logan and David. Hold on. You weren't married. I weren't was married. We had no kids. We didn't have houses. Yeah, yeah. That's a long time ago. Yeah, so this isn't a recent trend um, with us not being able to land the, the top five talent in the state. This is something that goes back a while. We landed. We actually had back-to-back years, so 08 and 09, we did land two of the top five players in the state, and then we haven't been able to do it since. I think before that, uh I can't remember the last time we landed more than two, to be honest with you. I, I wasn't able to find the stats on that. So um, if we end up landing four, it, w- it wouldn't just be, you know, really damn good. It would be something that's pretty much unprecedented um, in the last at least 15 years of, of, of Hokey football history. So it, while, while it's definitely something that we want to set as a goal and try to achieve, it would be fairly unprecedented from if we were able to pull it off. But I think we could probably go back and look how many times has it been four guys at four various positions. It's not like two defensive backs or two running backs where we're not going to get both of these guys. And I, I really think if – and I'm going to say this in the, in the sense of college football, ACC football. We land all four of these guys and take back the state. The way we're starting to create a nationwide footprint down into Texas, if you guys haven't seen the last few days, we're making offers to guys in California which is just unprecedented for what we've done throughout our lifetime as fans. Um, but to take back your state and to th- – that could say something, not only to the kids in state, but potentially to a more nationwide audience of you don't go in there and take the top dogs. If they've got spots where they can play, you're not going to get them. So that's what I'd like to see happen. And um, Essentially get back to where we were – Oh three, oh four, oh five. Where we pretty much, if we wanted them and they were in state, they weren't leaving. Exactly, exactly. So we'll move on. So I, I, we're going to throw out a Twitter poll, um, and the question is going to be: because of all the elite talent, high school wise in the state of Virginia this year, 
are you more likely to go see a high school football game where one of these guys are playing? And not just the guys we discussed, but there are guys all over the state. So respond to us. Tell us, yeah. Tell us where. Tell us who you look forward to seeing on that. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast. We'll let our buddy Jason Long play us out. We always ask you guys, check him out on Spotify and Apple Music. My name is Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Thank you guys for listening. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook. And as always, let's go. Okie. Okay.